Hey everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called How to Get People to Change. And are we really wanting people to change? Let's get into this today. A girl in Kentucky grew up in foster care. She was never shown love and didn't know a consistent home her entire life. She went on to be a professor at a prestigious school teaching of all things psychology. She had told her students of her background and foster care system, having only known abuse and mistreatment in her own childhood. A student in her class asked her one day, all the while making his own assumptions of her career choice being connected to wanting to understand her parents' decision to abandon her. Did you get into psychology to understand why your parents did this to you? Her response was no. I never questioned why they chose to put me into foster care. Then why, the student asked. The professor responded that she could comprehend why a parent may choose to place their child into another's arms if they thought they would be better off. She could understand why foster parents may have come and gone over the years because they had no parental bond with her and she was a bit of a difficult child. She went on to say that she could even forgive the years of abuse and believed that the things done to her were out of lack of education, lack of religion, lack of proper upbringing themselves, leading to an inability to know how to properly parent and deal with challenging parenting struggles. Then why did you choose psychology as a profession, the student pride? I chose psychology because I had to learn to understand all of those things on my own. I wanted to make it easier for all of you to understand without you having to go through what I had to go through to discover these things. What things exactly, the kid asked. That humans don't require perfection or a flawless environment. They don't even require shelter or even comfort. They require love, compassion, empathy, and someone to teach them that even without any of those things at their fingertips in their daily experience, that faith and faith alone can provide you with everything you need, and we all have access to that. The greatest gift we can give a child is the gift of teaching them to have faith. Oh, I get it, said the kid. Give them a fish and they will eat for a day. Give them, teach them to fish and they'll eat for a lifetime kind of thing, the kid stated. No, the professor continued. If you know God, if you are taught that this life is short, in the greater scheme of everlasting life, then these things that happen to us can become inconsequential and small. My life was not ideal. The orphanage I spent most of my young life in was located by a a little church that I would sneak off to. The priest held mass and I was always there. I had knowing in my heart that I was loved, had a father that loved me, and that if I stayed faithful and gave it over to God, I'd be okay. This life is, a sh- is short, and things will improve if you stay faithful. The kid thought for a moment, and then asked, then why didn't you become a theology teacher or a preacher? Because those are students who already are seeking out God, and psychology students are seeking out answers. In life, when we seek out to change somebody, <laughs> good luck, right? <laughs> this story really like speaks to me, because... It's true. We want to sometimes control 
or change others because we think that there's some flaw in their thinking, right? We think our way is the right way and I'll show them, I'll teach them, you know, I'll mold them into believing what I believe. You know, and when, when someone's seeking out answers to the stuff that people do, the best way to help people seeking out answers is to really demonstrate something to the contrary to their beliefs with your very actions, right? Like, here's a great example. My sister-in-law, she drinks a lot of water and I'm so proud of her for it because I didn't grow up drinking a lot of water. I, I grew up drinking a lot of water when I was participating in sports and really active, but like it wasn't something that in our household was, like you didn't carry around a water bottle. And when we left the house, we didn't take water with us. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't just something you would grab for often. But because she does all the time, her example has led to her own kids doing exactly and mirroring exactly what she does. You know, when they spend the night at our house, they always have a water bottle at their bedside. So in the night when they wake up, they have got water to drink. And it's something so simple. But when you really think about that's very representative of just life, you know, if, if you continue to lead a life by your own beliefs and what you truly think is right, people are going to see it. You don't have to control the narrative or try to like throw your opinion and beliefs on others. They're going to see it and they're going to see how well things are turning out for you. And in that desire to have what you have, they will replicate it in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't have to try so hard. It's funny how we always want to like, I mean, even with my kids, like I want so badly for them to see the right way to do things, but the answer is really my own behavior. I mean, I can tell you right now, I've got a temper. <laughs> I wish I didn't, but um, you know, I mean, even that goes back a generation. I remember my dad was kind of the same way as I am. And so I, and now I'm this way and I see, you know, me similarly with my kids it's like I really want to change and steer them and teach them a different way, but they're not hearing my words. They're watching my actions, you know? So as much as I can tell them that they need to take a breath, they shouldn't use their hands, they shouldn't, you know, explode, they've got to, like, take a minute, all these things. Like, I don't know. I don't do all that. I mean, I'm not hitting them. I'm not using my hands, but I'm certainly not, like, able to just breathe through it and calm down and then handle it in a calm manner. Like, I'm still, like... A tea kettle that's like you know ready to explode I feel like so they see that and that's what they emulate <laughs> so the moral of this story is truly that our own internal work can actually help to shape the world in an even stronger way I believe than when we try to just you know I mean trying to become a professor or a teacher or a you know, even a, a role model or somebody who volunteers to, you know, help mold our youth in any way, even coaching or any of these things, the more you like try and you strain and you struggle to like get somebody to follow the example that you're like, you're saying to them with your words, you need to do this. You need to get back on defense, right? I'll use basketball as the example, because I'm a basketball coach. You need to get back on defense. Well, guess what? They, they're not going to necessarily connect you yelling from the sidelines to them actually doing it, right? What do you need to do? You need to show them how to do it with your own actions. And then you need to practice it, right? That's what we do. We do it again and again and again. But, um, but really, they're watching me more than they're listening to me most often. You know, even in the practice when I'm like, I think I have all their attention. I have all eyes on me. 
which is like a rarity. <laughs> Let's be real. These are like third through fifth graders usually right around that range. So, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll think that I have full attention because they've paused momentarily. Reality is the wheels are turning on 50 other things that happened to them in that day. You know, I'm getting them at the tail end of a long day. So like they're all, their thoughts are everywhere but me, right? They just want to go play some basketball. Why are you talking to me again? <laughs> That's kind of like the feeling I'm getting. So, you know, it, it comes down to like, all right, I could sit here and explain it to you for 10 minutes. All the while, I'm going to lose some eye contact real quick. I'm going to start seeing some fidgeting. The basketball is going to start dribbling. Um, even the ones that continue to stare at me, it looks very vacant because nobody's home and they're thinking about something else. You know what I mean? Like there's just zero sense to it. But when I start to do the play, I start to dribble the ball, I start to get into action and motion and movement. And then I say, come with me. Guess what happens? Like they're having fun. They're actually listening more they're because they're observing like wait what are we doing where are we going you know instantaneously when a drill starts I don't know if you ever noticed this if you're lucky you get one of the ones that really held attention through the whole thing and can lead the group if not it immediately falls apart like you know first few people in line they're like wait what <laughs> they did not capture any of it so it was like all useless to have explained beforehand so instead we get out there and we start doing it and then and only then can we kind of counter correct a little bit of the things that are going astray. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like if you're not even at the starting line, like well, you're already trying to like manipulate and maneuver things that aren't even in motion yet, you know? Um, and they say everybody's a different type of learner. Maybe it's just that these third to fifth graders are much more visual, um, <laughs> you know, than they are for being able to have that auditory connection of taking it in through their ears and then translating that somehow inside of all those things. It's like the hamster wheel in their brain, right? And somehow they have to translate that into like action. Oh, Stitch. Hello. So my dog's here again. <laughs> Hi, buddy. So he knew I was talking about the kids. Quite honestly, he knows that word. And the second I breathe it, he's here. <laughs> he's, he's like, I am part of this show. What are we talking about? What are the kids doing? <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, third through fifth graders, yeah, the hamster wheel's going. They've got a million other things on their mind anyway. And I, I tend to believe most of them in that category fall into the like, show me. Don't tell me, show me. <laughs> and, um, and I think all of us, so that's kind of what I wanted to get into today is like all of us really kind of function that way. I mean, I get that some people, yes, learn differently for sure. Um, but as a whole, don't we really like gain so much more out of seeing somebody else's experience with something and then making those connections on our own like somebody telling you that hey this will lead to this is one thing but actually like seeing that in action is a very different thing and I mean I think this sometimes comes true with all of our health choices and consequences unfortunately <laughs> you know a lot of it is we just have to experience it for ourselves to really know and then often it's too late right you can tell somebody over and over again, you shouldn't eat that processed sugar. It's not that healthy for you. Instead, you should be, you know, getting carbohydrates out of your vegetables and a small amount of fruit and um, balance it with all these proteins and uh, pff, forget it until it falls apart and they're being told they have diabetes or they're being told that, uh, you know, 
they're hyperglycemic or whatever, then it's kind of like, well, yeah, I kind of hear you, but is it really that important to me? Nah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, yeah, but my genes still fit. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all kinds of reasoning comes in the way or whatever. But I mean, if you think, so here's why I was going with this is because if they instead see you every time you guys go out to dinner or whatever, and you're making the right health choices, you're ordering you know, healthier things from the menu. Um, even if you order a salad, you're getting your salad dressing on the side so you can just add the amount that you want, which is not in excess. <laughs> you know, you're choosing the water over the carbonated beverage and like all these things and they see it consistently. And then, then they end up at the doctor who's saying, you know what, your blood sugar's a little high or, um, or maybe their genes are starting to feel a little tight or something happens or whatever. They're gonna be thinking back, like who are the people that I admire who, you know, are in a healthy state and what are their choices that I can sort of model after. Um, so you'll be in the forefront of their mind. There's zero benefit is what I'm getting at with all this to you trying to shove that down their throat. Like when you sit down to that lunch saying like, oh, you really drink soda? You should really be drinking water because water has this much of our body is made of water and you need it. Forget it. Like you've lost them. At that point, I believe you've probably lost the person you're trying to help and educate. But that's just not how we seem to work as humans, right? When we feel lectured to or judged, we sort of shut down mentally our ability to receive something that even if it's coming from a place of love and help. Um, inside of my Facebook group that I run, it is like very interesting to watch the dynamics of how people work and who's able to receive what. and. Um, and even in the way of grief and how to deal with it, there are some very interesting, and I spoke on this last time, um, sort of triggers for certain people. And, um, and it's interesting that if you watch how some people try to help others, some people do it in the way of like just relating with them. Like, yes, I feel you, I've been there, and this, and the, yeah. And they don't even offer the advice. Other people are like, you know, immediately quick with some tips and, hey, here's what worked for me. Other people don't even say, here's what worked for me. They'll just say like, you know, during dark times, blah, 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 blah. And they go on and sort of talk, but they don't necessarily do it as like a how-to. Other people immediately want to pop in with a link for something that worked for them. Um, other people quickly judge and get kind of like judgmental over them. Like, why are you feeling this way? Blah, 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 blah. And get almost argumentative. Other people just sit back and, and give a love emoji or a care emoji and they say nothing. Um, there's so many different ways that we all try to sort of intervene when we see somebody who appears to need help. And um, I get asked so often how best to support people and then I also get asked so often from people experiencing grief, how can I get the support that I need? <laughs> and it kind of all comes down to the exact same thing. So whether you're looking for the support or looking to give the support, um, a lot of it, it's kind of the same, the same answer from me, which is to give what you would want to receive. You know what I mean? Or ask for what you need. It's like, you know, that communication is really what it is. It's like people need to learn to communicate their needs and then people need to learn to listen to what people are communicating and then give what's being asked, not what you think they need, you know? Um, 
<laughs> again, it's going to come down to also, though, especially if you're like in a support group of senses, like I'm talking about, where there's people who are also going through similar things. It's not about like shoving down someone's throat what has worked for you necessarily. It's much as like meeting them with one, some compassion and grace and understanding, but not like, oh, I know what you've been through. Like, because nobody knows what you've been through, right? And so we all kind of hate that. Um, but more like, yeah, I, you know, like validate them. Like, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That's really real. Like, you know, I hear you. And then if you've been through something similar and had an experience, you might share the story. You might say like, when I was younger, I also had da 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 da. Um, and then you could just go on to say sort of how it unfolded for you. And maybe they can learn from your experience in that way. But being like, you need to get out of your house. You need to stop doing this. You need to start doing that. It, ooh, I mean, how? think about it, put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel if you were literally just saying, man, I'm at my lowest right now. Like, you're looking out to say, like, does anybody hear me? And then you're being received with, you need to this, you need to that. Well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You should be doing more of this. Put more of this in your life. Try this. Oof. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I actually, I think I might have mentioned this before, but I ended up naming my grief program that I do, Loss Just Sucks. <laughs> grief Doesn't Have To a reason right it just, you just need somebody to tell you it just stinks period leave it there you know sometimes that's enough just to open the door to even ever having them look to you for some type of inspiration um, right like they're gonna see oh here's somebody who gets it like I really like this person and maybe that's enough for today the door to be open then tomorrow maybe you know you guys have a casual conversation now maybe they're starting to see you as a friend then after that, I don't know, maybe one day you tell a story and then they start to like read into it a little bit and ask you some questions to try to figure out how they can, you know, do what you've done or whatever. But by just trying to shove it down their throat, it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's a useless drill because I don't think, I don't think any of us receive in that way, really. <laughs> you know, my kids are, are no um, different in that light, like where... I'll tell them now, I'll say, you really need to just grab your water bottle. Cause we'll like, we'll be at the playground and they'll be like, mom, I'm so thirsty. I'm like, sorry guys, we didn't bring our water bottles. You should have grabbed them when we left. But the truth of the matter is I should have for years leading up to this been grabbing my water bottle every time I leave the house because <laughs> they would have seen that for so many years. They would have seen instances where we're out and they're thirsty and I had a drink with me. And then they would want that for themselves and do that thing, right? So I haven't modeled it well enough over the years for that to be their go-to. So I really don't even have a right to be upset with them or pointing in their face like, well, then you should have. Really? Because why? Have I been shown that as an example? <laughs> I mean, no. Like, let me look inward a little bit. No, that's on me, really. Um, I mean, and now they're at an age where they're going to have to start making choices on their own. I mean, but truthfully, I haven't set the stage for them to be successful with that, um, in that way anyway. So I try to in most areas, but I do fail sometimes with the diet and the water. <laughs> it's not always something that I'm hugely successful at. It's actually something my husband was very successful at. So I was grateful to have him as a partner in that 
because they did see that example early on with him. But now that we are like at a more of a sort of pivotal age here where they're all the more starting to model behaviors and mannerisms and all of the stuff, I have to be real careful. <laughs> I mean, even something as simple as like, I tend to pick the skin around my fingernail sometimes when I'm like, not nervous, but just kind of like fidgety feeling. And now I've seen both my kids do it. Ugh, and I always said, like, I'm not going to, I'm going to break this. I don't want my, I don't want to pass this on. And yet they watch, they learn, they know, <laughs> they know I don't like it when they bite them because of all the germs these days. And so their go-to is to do what mom does. <laughs> it's terrible. And I apologize to just snoring again. I'm so exciting. <laughs> the canine world loves me. <laughs> it's like, oh, lady, would you stop talking? Okay, well, on that note, I will take a quick break. And when I come back, I've got more on how to change people or maybe more like how to not expect others to change, but instead inspire change. All right, guys, stick around so you can see the rest. Connection Beyond Struggle for a Grieving Soulmate is the name of my free Facebook group where I'm helping to coach people through soul-crushing grief. And it is a powerful group because it is just for people who are experiencing soul-crushing grief. And so in that way, you're amongst friends. And it is a beautiful sight to watch, people growing inside of it. Uh, and I like to say it feels like the students are becoming teachers and people are offering wonderful advice in the way of help. Um, it's truly just a place where you can feel supported and also receive a little bit of free coaching. So if you are interested in grabbing an invitation for yourself or someone else, check out the description and I will leave a link. All right, back to the show. When I was a kid, there was this group called Odyssey of the Mind. I think today it's called um, Destination Imagination, DI maybe. Uh, I think, and I could be wrong there too. This could be complete fabrication. <laughs> but at any rate, it was a really fun group where it wasn't a sport. It was more like a mental sport. And I loved it because within it, you had to problem solve with a group of other students. And it was like thinking outside the box. So I loved it because I'll give you the example of the very first, um, what, I don't want to say problem we had to solve. It wasn't a problem per se, but we were given a challenge and, and we had to create our own obstacle course, basically. So without, you had to get somebody through a maze without verbally telling them which way to turn. Um, and they had to have, they were blind, so they had to be blindfolded for it. And you had to somehow... Um, without speaking to them, get them from one end to the other. You also had to create things. Like we had to create, I remember doing like a, a paper mache light bulb for some reason. There was like items they had to find throughout. So you had to create things. And we ended up using a keyboard. So a certain pitch meant to turn right, a certain pitch meant to turn left. You know, it was like, but you had to create all of that on your own. You had to figure out your own way without them bumping into things and, you know, be able to get your team through faster than say another team or whatever, at any rate. <laughs> what was very interesting about not just the group, <laughs> but this activity in particular, was you really had to learn how to get people where you want them to go 
without necessarily telling them what to do, right? What a life lesson. It's such a cool idea that um, I love the fact that that was even drawn as an obstacle for us to have to solve, you know? Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a Heatherism again. You know what I mean. We, uh, we found ways to make it work. Other teams did it in completely different fashions, some faster than us, some slower than us. But um, it's inspiring to see what a bunch of one, the youth could come up with together without really even an, any input from adults. Um, but also just to see that even though we thought our idea was the best, right? We were convinced, like we came up with this incredible idea. You're never gonna bump into anything. You're gonna know exactly what way to turn. There was still someone else with a better idea out there. Something we'd never even thought of. So how can you compare, right? We hadn't even thought of it. It wasn't even an idea in our minds. So we had like, yeah, it was the best thing we could come up with, but the collective we, <laughs> you know, I mean, other people had better ideas even still. It was just outside of our group of 12 or however many there were. I don't think it was even that many. Seven of us or something, you know? Someone else had a better idea. Go figure, right? But it's easy to be very close-minded when you think you already have the best answer and the best solution within your own thought process. And sometimes I think that's where we get into trouble. You know, I mean, me doing some of these one-on-one -on -one coaching with people, I've really learned a lot about what makes people tick. And it's really funny because I always assumed that everyone was like me in their thinking, you know? And some people couldn't be more, like, you know, completely opposite <laughs> in their way of thinking. Um, I recently had somebody talking to me about how they were struggling with how other people kept talking about themselves when and they weren't truly hearing them and what their concerns were what they're looking for whatever they weren't being heard well the most ironic part of the whole conversation was when i realized that this person i was talking to who was saying they hadn't been heard and everybody just kept talking to them about themselves i think in our conversation they might have used the word i a hundred times in just a very small few sentences. You know, I need this, I need that. I need somebody who's gonna do this. I need someone to come with me. I need someone to do this. I need this, I need that, I need this. And what they weren't even realizing was the very thing they were upset that they weren't receiving from other people being heard. You know what I mean? Like I, That was the very thing that they were not doing well either you know what I mean like so unaware that like I need this and I need that and I need this and people just keep talking about themselves <laughs> I always I, you know it's hard sometimes because you almost wish you had a mirror so they could just even sit back like what I should have done actually was record it and play it back and maybe when they literally are sitting on the outside listening to themselves speak they could hear it just as clearly as I could but um, <laughs> it is interesting. We all function this way. I don't think that's exclusive to this one individual that I happened to be talking with earlier. But I think we all do this where we are wanting to receive something. And so we get very laser focused on the thing we're not getting that we want. Um, and when you're doing that, you kind of are laser vision and missing everything else going on around you. You're unaware. You know, there's so much that you miss. 
because you're like, no, but I need this, but I need this. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, I know you need that. But like, if you could just take off the lenses that are narrowing your view, you know, then you could really see everything else that's happening here. Like, and so in this particular case, what was happening was the people around them were literally trying to give them the very thing they wanted, but not in the exact same way that they wanted to get it. <laughs> it was like, but they're not hearing me, but I need this. And I was like, I don't think you're hearing them either. <laughs> you know, like I, it's very hard to watch that and want to intervene and help it. But sometimes it's the inner work. We need to figure it out on our own. We need to like look inward on our own selves. What's your biggest desire? What's your biggest thing you want, right? I mean, just even in the name of what I entitled this, you know, if we're looking to like change everything else, I'm just going to say this right now, you're never going to get it. <laughs> you can't control the world. And I know I say this a lot. You can only control yourself right? So start with the inward look because sometimes the whole reason you haven't gotten the very thing you want yet is because you only see one way to the finish line when really there could be like tree branches every which way that you could a different, you know, little stream coming off. You could have gone that way. You could have gone that way, but they're like, no, it has to be this. It has to go down this, you know, straight away or whatever. And there's let there be no turns or deviations from the way I see it ending. You know, let's just as a, a whole, we all need to allow for things to happen a little differently than this vision that we see it in. You know, I mean, in my life, I can look back and say there's many times that I thought, I needed this outcome, this one thing. I just want this one thing. You know, you'd pray on it. I want this one thing to happen. Like, you know, I'll use an example of someone trying to sell their house. I've been praying on it. I buried St. Anthony statues in the front lawn. I don't know. My, my mom used to talk about that when I was a kid that I think that's supposed to do something to help you find a buyer, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But my whole point being, you can do everything and you feel like I've checked every single box. But have you? <laughs> you know, so that's the thing. I mean, every box in your crayon set, yes, you might have gone through every single, but but what about all the other colors of the rainbow that other people have, right? There's other options out there that you've just never even considered, you know? So when it feels like you're not getting that to the finish line for one, it could be because there's so many other ways of getting there that you haven't even explored, you know, or it could be that you're, view of what that fin thing at the finish had to look like was so specific and you hadn't even considered that the end line altogether might be something totally different. Maybe you are headed right towards the very thing. It's just the finish line is way over there and you are way over here. You know, you didn't even realize that the end could look different. You just had a picture of what, what it all needed to look like. You know, I have friends. I remember thinking, Actually, I remember saying this to my cousin when I was younger that I, I didn't want to wait until I was 30 to have my kids. Like, that was so old, you know? Like, and it's so hilarious to me now because, oh, what I'd give to be 30 again, right? So, but at the time, I remember thinking, like, I don't want to wait that long. But I had this very narrow vision of, like, a time frame when it had to happen and all these different things. Wow. And how little importance it actually ended up having. I mean, shouldn't we just be grateful for being blessed to be able to even have children? Because that's not in everybody's um, future, you know? It's a gift. And I, I just remember being very narrow in my 20s when I was looking at my future self and what it was going to look like and 
you know, I mean, some people paint the picture so perfectly. This type, this breed of dog, a boy and a girl, not just like two children, but a boy and a girl in, you know, with my golden retriever in, you know, the white picket fence and, you know, with the neighborhood that's by the playground. <laughs> it's like, by the time you're done, there's just no room for anything else. <laughs> it's like, God forbid you should get pregnant and have two boys. You know, I mean, we've already just decided this perfect future of ours looks like exactly this thing when, boy, I mean, I believe big time higher powers got my back on this one. Like, I believe God's going to give me exactly what I'm meant to have. And I'll tell you right now, coming from a girl who thought one boy, one girl was kind of the perfect situation, now having two sons, I can tell you right now, someone else knew way better than I, because <laughs> I'm watching my friends with daughters and I'm about to be sick just thinking about the stuff that they have to go through right now that I am not having to deal with. And I know that I absolutely love having two boys. And it's not an experience I knew anything about growing up because I had a brother and my husband had a sister. So we both were of a one boy, one girl situation where we just didn't even consider like that we were going to have two of the same gender. But having never watched that experience, that bond is so special. I love that. And I know, I know I got what I was meant to have. You know, we were super, super active. We still, well, we, I, the collective we now is me. <laughs> uh, I still am. And I love to do sports with my boys. And I love exploring in the woods. And I love, not that there aren't girls that love that. I know there are. But I'm just saying what my boys love. I was given two children, basically, who just love what I love. And um, that's so fun. And I I think that when when it happens the way it happens, it's probably for a reason, sure. Um, but anyway, I'm just saying that um, it's our narrow views sometimes that don't even realize. And even the way to one boy and one girl, let's say like that is just, I, you know, you've got your mindset, you're going to have 15 children if, until you get at least one boy and one girl, I don't know, whatever it is, like just be open to the idea that maybe that is for you, maybe, maybe there's other ways of getting there too, you know, that you hadn't even thought of. Um, yeah, so it's more about like just being able to be open to perceiving the world through a different lens from time to time and not thinking that yours is the only one that has the treasure map you know i mean <laughs> we all have our own methods and ways and sometimes it's the thing you've never considered that could give you the most beautiful outcome you know um so yeah that's one thing is trying to control the narrative it just doesn't it doesn't really work in favor for anybody because I don't think that you can convince people to believe what you believe. Uh, but I do think you can inspire. I think that every single one of us has within us to inspire the next person. And it's through our actions and our words and backing that up with like, you know, your lifestyle to support what you speak, not being hypocritical, you know, all that stuff. If you just truly authentic to what you believe people see it and they know it you don't have to shove it down their throat <laughs> you know I mean you don't have to make it make it be so hard I guess you just have to inspire through your actions and so in that what are you doing I like to have conversations with you guys what is it that you are up to I would love to know uh, you know 
What is it that you guys are wanting to do with your life? Um, have you already checked all your boxes? Are you already, you know, there in the way of doing all the bucket list things? You know, you hear people talk about bucket list and I will explain this a little bit because I do have listeners in different countries. I don't know if this is a, a worldwide sentiment or not, but, you know, the idea of a bucket list being, you know, the, before you pass, these things that you just want to see through in your life and have experienced and you know I, I just I wonder how many of us out there are still sitting there you know putting the desires that you really want in this life onto some future pedestal um, and the reason I say that is just because I have learned so much the hard way in the past few years that shelving things is not the way to live. And I mean, I always live my life that way. But still, you know, even in knowledge of that, we're guilty. I think everybody is to a certain degree of putting off something to the next month, to the next year. You know, the vacation you keep saying, yeah, we're due for. Like, just don't put those things off. Whatever it is, you know, it's really, it is that important. Because when things change in an instant, and even like a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, yeah, if I knew I was dying, I would make sure I did this and this. Not all of us get that fair warning. It's unfortunate, but, you know, sometimes this will be shoved down your throat or at your feet when you're least expecting it. That's kind of usually when it happens. You know, I even have friends who have been in remission for a long time and they thought they were like on the other side of their cancer battles and now finding themselves years later having it kind of like rear its ugly head once again. You know what I mean? I'd like to think that, well, from their own experience, for one, having already been through it once, that they had all their ducks in a row. But, you know, I like to hope that my life inspired some people to have seen that, yeah, even a 42-year-old man in full health could end up losing his life to an unforeseen cancer. And quite literally, I mean, unforeseen. You know, he had skin cancer that never even had a skin cancer lesion. It was just his brain and spine. It sort of somehow jumped in there <laughs> nobody knows how um so yeah it, it can be very unexpected and then happen so fast you know I've been my eyes have been open to that inside this group that I'm running because it's all about big loss and I just hear story after story I mean we're talking thousands of people so far and this is just in a couple months that I've been running this Facebook group you know thousands of stories of you know, people being just the epitome of health and great um, athleticism and, you know, so much youthful joy and optimism and this and that. And then all of a sudden, this dark cloud came and never went. And it was like within months, they lost their person forever with no signs or symptoms, no prerequisites, no, you know, family history of things, nothing, just no warning. Um, and this isn't meant to be a depressing, sad tale today, just if anything, meant to just tell you, like, you know, don't sit around waiting for changes. Take some deliberate action towards the things you want. I said it in past episodes, but I want to remind you today, just every day, make a little step forward towards a thing. You know, if it's health goals, each day make a positive change, just a small one. You know, don't take the big leaps. Those end up putting you back at the starting line more often than not. Small incremental changes towards a thing, and no matter what it is, you know, start getting on the on your way to taking these trips doing these things and enjoying life as you go and then see the other paths you know don't be so narrow-minded as to think it has to go your way it has to be exactly such or it's not gonna you know be enough 
I think that when we have that willingness to things coming together in different ways, then that's where the real beauty can unravel, right? Because I've been talking about this all week within my Facebook group, but when you really have true surrender and release to higher power, it is not something you can be anxious about. Because if you're anxious, you didn't really let it ever go. You are still holding that wheel so tight. You're, we have white knuckles, right? So if you really are surrendering and giving it up to somebody else to take over driving your ship, your boat, your car, whatever, <laughs> you just have to let it go. You know, and that means no anxiety or worry. Just believe it's getting there. Keep taking the steps to make it happen so you can help that process along. And don't fret about it because as soon as you do, it's like saying, I doubt you. I don't have full faith in you. I'm I'm questioning you. I'm questioning whether you can actually get me to where I need to be. Um, and in my experience, that never gets you where you want to go. <laughs> so I don't know if any of that hit home for you today, guys. But um you know, I like that little story. It was inspiring and reminded me that sometimes it truly is just about, it's just about the faith. It's just about knowing um, in your heart's heart that like everything else aside, if you have that faith, you never feel alone, the loneliness, the, you know, the peace that you're looking for, the getting to that finish line and who's driving that car, you know, <laughs> all those things faith is the answer, you know? Um, so for me, that's what worked. So that's what I share with you today. And, you know, I always say, I don't care what religion you are, spiritual beliefs, whatever. I hope you're still hearing my message because I'm only ever telling you what has happened in my own life. And so I can share it with you and see if it inspires you. Um, and in the meantime, I'm going to constantly keep working on myself to just stay authentic and real so that, you know, those of you who are just watching me in my journey, and I might be a little inspired by it. And, you know, like I say, always, I hope this landed for you. I'm very grateful for everybody who continues to listen, guys. And who knows what next time will bring. <laughs> so just keep listening. And I hope that you have a great weekend. By the time you listen to this, we'll probably already be halfway through another week. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for joining. Bye-bye, guys.